We are back for another episode of Touch Icing. Uh, Tony Pickenich, Eric Johnson here. Trish may be joining us in a little bit. We do not know. We, As per usual. We do not keep a leash on him, believe it or not. We have quite a few things to get to. We were not here last week. Uh, technical difficulties, a tropical storm hit North Jersey and messed up everything. So let's talk first. Let's talk a little draft lottery because it looks like potentially Alexis Lafreniere will be taking his talents to the Big Apple, much to my chagrin. But oh, you were, you were not happy. No. No, I wasn't being a fan of the team across the river. But, but I digress. From a hockey fan perspective, this is just going to be a fun team to watch in a couple of years, maybe even next year. I think there's going to be a little bit of fear, though, because – their offense was already pretty good as it is, and the defense was lacking, which you could see. Like, what if they just turn into another version of Toronto or Edmonton, where the goal scoring is there, and the goal scoring is there consistently, but it doesn't matter if you can't keep it out of your own damn net. Yeah, we're really worried that they could become another level of Toronto. Um, but here's the thing. I was looking at the Rangers' cap because – the first thing we all said when they won the draft lottery is, oh, my God, what about the cap? Yeah. Beyond this year, they're not in that much trouble. Yeah, uh, and potentially this year, if they do somehow move the uh, Henrik Lundqvist or a potential buyout, or if he retires, there'd probably be some kind of penalty there. It's $8 million for one more year. Yeah. And since the cap is flat, this, this helps a team like the Rangers big time. The Rangers and Leafs would have been the big two that would have benefited from this flat cap had they won the draft lottery, and one of them did. Yeah. Now, you look down the road a little bit. Lafreniere it's determined like, that he could be the type of player that commands the $10-plus million range when his entry-level deal is over. Uh then you start to run into some issues because when does Zibanejad's contract up? That's in a couple of years, two, three years. Okay. Then you got, and you also want to pay Adam Fox because that's the guy they are going to keep Igor. around. If you and Igor Shesterkin, and if you want to keep uh, D'Angelo as well, there's there's going to be some maneuvering that has to be done in the future. D'Angelo's tough. Yeah, D'Angelo, and we've been going back and forth on this off camera, but D'Angelo is going to be hard to keep because his value right now is so high Yeah, that it might be worth it to see what you can get for him. His value is not going to be higher than it currently is. No, unless he has an Eric Carlson-like season next year. Yeah, exactly. And we've never seen anything close to this. No. Out of Tony D'Angelo. We're not saying he's a bad defenseman because he's not. He's a very, very good defenseman. It's just – can he replicate this? Yeah, the year could be an outlier. You do not know. Which has and, happened before. Yeah, and that, that's a risk some teams would be willing to take on a young defenseman. Oh, there's tons of teams I'm looking at right now, Edmonton being one of them, that would love somebody like a Tony D'Angelo. Well, we got to talk a bit, you know – as unlikely as it seems that they would even consider moving the pick. Um, I'm sure a team like a Los Angeles Kings or an Ottawa Senators would at least make some sort of offer. Well, 
I was thinking that, but then I saw the John Davidson interview where he said he's really excited about Alexis Lafreniere becoming a New York Ranger yeah. and flat out said it. Yeah. I mean, when you're flat out saying that. It would take literally an offer that would blow their socks off to make that move. It, uh, it will. Now, also, we're considering what line is he playing on, too. You know, right away. I've, saw, I've seen the rumor Lafreniere, Strom, Kreider as a potential second line. I also don't think I, don't, I do not think that would last that long. I think he'd be up higher in a span of Robin Leonard just went Robert Leonard's hurt. He's not looking great right now. Oh yeah, he's looking very, very slow. But I would I would say that Lafreniere as a second line forward uh only lasts a couple weeks because he has that skill in him that he could be a for- first line forward and pairing him with Artemi Panarin, especially like let's say you're down one late in the game and you can roll Lafreniere, Zibanejad, and Panarin out there. It's kind of ridiculous. A couple of years, that might challenge Boston. Yeah. As one of the top lines in hockey. Yeah. It, it's going to be – as much as I do not like the New York Rangers, it is going to be so much fun to see that team play. And Man, tickets for the Garden are going to be so much – They're already expensive. expensive. Like I was already paying 200 bucks to go a couple of years ago. What am I going to be paying next year? If fans are allowed at Devils games this year, whether it's a limited capacity, season ticket holders only, which I am, I can't wait well. to see Lafreniere play. I really can't. It's going to be fun. I'm going to love watching Jake Sanderson shut him down in a few years, but whatever. We'll get to mock drafts eventually. Yeah, eventually when line. we get closer to the draft. Still a lot of moving parts here. Uh, but the Rangers getting locked in here. The Rangers, Rangers getting – that's about – I'd say it's a 99.999% chance that the Rangers make that pick. The Metro's and a dogfight, dude. There's a 100% chance if they make that pick that it's going to be Lafreniere. This Metropolitan is, is going to become the toughest division in hockey if it isn't already. It already is. I mean, the young goaltending in the division is unmatched really by any other division. Uh, it's just superstars everywhere. And There's, you got teams that even maybe don't look great when it comes to a talent perspective like a Columbus, and they're out here beating Tampa Bay. Just a team with a lot of fight in it. Every team in the Metropolitan Division has at least one good young goaltender in development. Yeah. And some teams have two. Yeah, I know the Islanders are one that have two. I'd say Columbus has two. Columbus has two. You can make the argument the Rangers have two. Yeah, with Shesterkin and Georgiev. It's going to be a tough division. It already is a tough division. It's going to get even tougher. Um, the, the next team, like I could see really – when the Devils – the Devils are the furthest off from the rest of the division. But that next team that's going to really, I think, fall off, I, I can't see the Rangers falling off anytime soon. As long as Pittsburgh has Crosby, as long as Washington has Ovechkin, you can't look at me and say this team's going to be bad in the next couple of years for any of those teams. Which it, it's just going to be so competitive. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Man, I'll say this, though. You know, you brought up a team that I really, really wanted to talk about. Because, again, we have a lot of games to go over. 
But, man, Pittsburgh's not playing now, and they should be. What do you mean by they should be? They should have beaten Montreal. Mm. We went in how many weeks ago when mm. we did our Eastern Conference playoff predictions. Mm-hmm. None of us had Montreal in four. None of us had Montreal winning. I think there's more problems that lie on Pittsburgh. Well, they've already, they've already canned their whole assistant coaching staff. Yeah, that's pretty much like firing the head coach without actually firing him. Yeah. And listen, it was the Pittsburgh Penguins' worst nightmare. They didn't want to do this that much because of having to play a potentially insanely hot Carey Price. And the man walked in there and stonewalled Pittsburgh. Like, uh, we hadn't seen Carey Price. I, I don't think Carey Price has played like that in, two, years. Season? in two, three years. He played out of his mind. And there were some games where Montreal, let's take the first game, for example. Montreal couldn't get that much together offensively, but they were loose. They were confident because of the goaltender they had in net, and that propelled them to winning that series. Carey Price single-handedly propelled them to win that series. Take that game last night against Philly. Sure, they lost, but that game should have been way worse than 2-1 if it's not for Carey Price. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this last night. Um, if you think this is going to be a sweep, or at least you think this is going to be an easy sweep for the Flyers, you're wrong. And there needs to be some sort of wake-up call because Carey I, Price is just one of the hottest goaltenders right now. I don't think he's the hottest. I think you just saw a guy in Columbus make 85 saves that I think is just the best goaltender playing right now in the league. Carter Hart's in that discussion, but I think it's Corpusella number one. But Price is not far behind. No, not at all. I I mean, it it might be a sweep, Philly over Montreal, but every game could be like 3-2-2-1. Montreal is going to be in every single game of this series. It's going to be close. Uh, Let's talk about that 85-save performance for Jonas Corposalo in a quintuple overtime loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning the other night. Uh it's the type of game where if you lose it, it it's going to – it's demoralizing, to say the least. It could set the tone for the whole series. Now, me personally, I expected uh, Columbus today to come out and not play well and Tampa Bay to basically roll over them. But uh, credit – got to give credit to where it's due. The Columbus Blue Jackets walked out there, a team on a mission today, and uh, basically dominated the Tampa Bay Lightning in all three areas of the ice. Yeah, I think Columbus looked really, really good tonight. And I think they looked good in that five-overtime game, too, because they looked gassed. And I don't know if it was the second or the third overtime, but there was one point for the last three minutes of that period, they just looked like they could not You, you could anything. tell late in that game, Columbus was banking on trying to score on, like, an odd man rush the other way. Like, hoping, because they were tired. You could see it in their own zone. They were tired. Vegas just scored one nothing. Paul Stastny. But you, you could see how tired they were. And I love five overtime games. I love four overtime games. I love every kind of overtime hockey game there is. And it, to see those guys the way they played, somebody like a Seth Jones, a Victor Hedman playing through injury, and then watching them come out two days later, and put on another show. It was a really good hockey game today. 
it speaks to how good a shape these guys are in. Jonas Corposalo, another great performance today in a 3-1 win. He made, I think, 36 saves for Columbus. Something like that. Yeah. It it was just – it was great to see. And now the pressure gets turned and put on Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay should have won this game. They should have came out today and dominated Columbus coming off a big – win not just on the scoreboard but morale as well in a five overtime game a game that takes almost eight full periods to complete and they came out here and let themselves get dominated by the columbus blue jackets now the columbus blue jackets has momentum going into game three here in a couple days and if columbus can take game three and maybe even game four tampa is going to be in some serious trouble here yeah tampa was my eastern conference pick and i'll say this columbus is one of those teams that you could see going on a run deep. They don't go away. They will not go away. And a lot of that starts from the coach down. John Tortorella done an amazing job with that group after losing most of their stars in the offseason. They do not go away. And they compete as hard as any other team in here. They may not have the talent, but they are competing as hard as anybody else in the tournament. And that's what I like about them, too. Because there's no real star power on Columbus, like, there's good, solid players. Cam Atkinson, Foligno, Dubois. Cam Atkinson didn't even play today, and they won. He was deemed unfit to play. Yeah, and somebody else was deemed unfit to play for Columbus, too. Forget Nate who Ger- it was, but... Nate Gerby. Oh, was it Gerby? Yep. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to happen. Gerby had a really good game, though, in, uh, in game one. For being as small as he is, he, he's got heart. <laughs> he was playing out of his mind. Man, I remember. In limited Gerby, minutes. I remember when Gerby was just a minor, minor leaguer for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. Real fall from grace there for a little bit, but he's and back. He came back. Yep. Uh, let's look a little bit into the other series. It was a little bit shocking to start off the series. Uh, Washington Islanders. Um, Washington looked to be dominating most of that game uh, until the Islanders flipped the switch. Down 2 nothing in the second period, come back and win the game 4-2. What happened? First of all, I don't think that that is going to go to Holt B's resume, that highlight reel, because that was not a good no, game. No, that Eberle goal specifically. He just waved at the puck with his glove and missed it. He could have easily made that save. Now, here's the thing. If you're a team in free agency right now, are you paying Brayden Holpe $10 million a year? After seeing uh, what happened with Bobrovsky after he signed the contract and went down to Florida, and now seeing a little bit how Holpe's playing, I am definitely not considering over seven and a half if I'm a GM. and who needs a goalie that bad. I'd rather sit and try to develop one or try to snag a Robin Leonard than go after a Braden Holpe. Robin Leonard right now, 6-0 and in the tournament. Yeah, Leonard's looking really, really good, and the fit for Vegas was perfect for him. I thought yeah. it was a little, little questionable at first, but it's ended up working out really, really well. Now, the thing is with Holpe, he's got that cup to his name. He's got a Stanley Cup. What's so does Anthony Emmy. What's that going to do to him in free agency? I think yeah. the cup, we're two years removed from that Stanley Cup. Not a long time, but it is time. And 
I, I just don't see him among the upper echelon of goalies in this game anymore. Uh, which is tough to say. But there's going to be a team that will probably overpay him. There always is that one team. But I think his best bet would be probably around a, a seven-year con, a, a seven million dollar year contract, perhaps a little bit more term for a team that's uh, really feels like they're a goaltender away. You know, because I really don't feel like Holtby's worth nine, ten million dollars. No, year. neither do I. I but just I, I think there's going to be a high watermark in offers. I think around nine. And it's going to be a team that's not in a position to win right now, just looking for a name, trying to get a st- st- uh, stable goalie on the back end. To me, that seems like Ottawa. Yeah. And he'll have that option, or he'll have the option for a little less money, but he can have a chance to win, you know? So, yeah, I think the, going back to Washington, though, I think that was on Holpe. I expect a better performance from him in game two. If not, the Capitals could be in serious trouble. Yeah, they don't have that safety net in uh, Ilya Samsonov, who is out for the rest of the playoffs. And they, they would have to go to a goaltender with no NHL experience. I forget the, his uh, name off the top of my head. But they, I know for a fact they do not want to have to go to that. They would rather especially, – Especially at this point in the playoffs, too. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough time to do it. And then it, it's almost like, oh, 2 nothing Vegas. No sec. It's almost like Washington got that 2 nothing lead and started to coast, you know? It's just what it seemed like watching it live. Once the Islanders scored the first goal, it, the Islanders got a wave of confidence like, we can, we can beat this team. We can beat them right now. And then open up the third period, they were dominating them. They dominated them the whole third period. Even they were taking some penalties, and they were still dominating. But it's a tone-setting game in the tournament, in the series at least. And uh, I think Washington should be a little worried. Yeah, I do as well. Now, here's the thing. We've said, we said it before. I don't know if we said it on the podcast or not, but it is a weak Eastern Conference this year. Yeah. In my opinion, this is a weak – I think the, the West is far stronger. I think there's a lot more cup contenders I can see coming from the West than I can see coming from the East. There's going to be teams that need to step up in the East to get that opportunity. Some mm-hmm. of the lower seats, Carolina, New York, Columbus, they really could all make deep runs. I could see it. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me uh, in the slightest if any of those teams did come out of the Eastern Conference because of how close it is – Going into this whole thing, I feel like you, you look at it and you'd say there was Boston and then there was a clear gap. And then the round robin started and Boston wasn't playing well. And Boston had trouble yesterday with Carolina in an overtime victory. But now you look at it and you think that gap's not there. Not as large, at least. Like, how much of a gap is really there between, let's say, Boston and Columbus? I don't think there's that big of a gap, to be no. honest with you. And look at the trouble Philly had last night with Montreal. Philly's the one, Montreal's the eight. How big is the gap between Montreal and Philly? It, I, I it's, it's there. Bit, it's, it's definitely there. Gap, it's there. But, it, but it's not one where I'm saying, oh, man, Montreal's done. Montreal, Montreal's done. And it's America. also not the same perspective you have looking before the qualifying round. 
before you would say the gap between Philly and Montreal is pretty big. But And now Montreal just flatlined Pittsburgh. Yeah. When you have that on your resume, it, it makes you a little bit more credible. And it makes you at least stop and think about Montreal and what they could possibly do to Philly this round. And now, Montreal, in the West, it's different. How big of a gap would you say uh, there is between Chicago and Vegas? I think there's a decent-sized gap there. But it's not one where I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be a Vegas sweep, you know? Yeah. But I love the Vegas-Chicago series. I love it. It's the new guard versus the old guard. I this, love this Golden Knights team there. has the chance to be really, really good. The best thing that could have happened for them was the stoppage. Yeah, they got healthy. It really was. Let's look at, uh, real quick at the Colorado-Arizona uh, series. Game one was yesterday. And it was a defensive struggle for the first 55 minutes of the game. When I'm not used to at least Colorado playing that type of stifling defense. They held Arizona to what was it? Ten shots through two periods. It was something like that. And then they have a little bit of trouble scoring, and then they get one, and then they get a second, and then it's three goals in a minute 25 because that's just the firepower that the Colorado Avalanche possess. Arizona never really had a shot in that game. Philip Grubauer was not tested on the Colorado end of the ice. Darcy Kempner played out of his mind, but it, he could only do so much, like Jonas Corposalo in game one. He could only do so much. And if the goal scoring's not there for Arizona, they're not going to have a chance in this series. Arizona did not impress me yesterday at all. But that's really not why. That's, it's not really the goaltending that really bothered me about Arizona because I think Darcy Kemper's played out of his mind. You can't allow three shorthanded goals no. in, a single, in a single period. Not even a single game, single period. You can't let three shorthanded goals in, in a single series. You can't do it. That's, and that's what did him in. That is what's going to do them in. Um, yeah, Arizona just wasn't impressive. Their star players, players like Kessel, Keller, Hall, just seemed to disappear a lot of the game. And, I think eventually, uh, though, you'll see them come out. I think they get one or two this series. I don't think they can beat Colorado by any means. I think they I get one or two games in this series, though. But other than that, I can't really see them doing anything. Let's uh. Let's dive into a little bit of Rod Brindamore here. I love him. And I'm willing to say I love him as a player. Yep. He was highly critical of the referees. Let's go into the situation first. It, well, it was a 1-1 at the time. The Bruins score a controversial goal where a Bruins player hits it with his hand. Uh, then Mrazek covers and somebody hits the puck out from under his glove, and Boston scores. Rod Brindamore says he wants to challenge, and the ref is like, do you want to challenge the hand pass or the covering of the puck? And Brindamore is like, I just want to challenge the goal. You should look at both of those things. So and they, he's right. He is right. They look at the hand pass, and they say, it's not a hand pass because Peter Morazic had possession of the puck. Well, if Peter Mrazek had possession of the puck, then the play should have been whistled dead. Mark Stone just went down the tunnel for Vegas. 
The play should have been whistled dead. The goalie has possession. And it's perhaps the ultimate puck don't lie moment is Vegas, uh, not Vegas, uh, Carolina is assessed a two-minute penalty for delay of game. And then, uh, what was it, Jamie McGinn? Is that who scored the shorthanded? Brock McGinn. Brock McGinn, Brock McGinn scores the shorthanded goal. Uh, he just undresses Tuka Rask on the breakaway. Karma. <laughs> simple as <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah. You make a bad call, the hockey gods are going to make up for it in some way, and they did. I'm, I love that series, though. I love those two teams. I, they're both either team who wins this series. I could really see making a run uh, to the Eastern conference final. At least I love what Carolina is. I love the, the scoring and the ability Boston possesses and they're hungry, man, after losing last year. I mean, uh, you're losing game seven like that. You got to respond yeah, somehow. Yeah. But man, I love me some Carolina hurricanes right now. Yeah. Like first of all, the best defensive team, in the playoffs. That's still in, in my opinion. They have good goal scorers. Yep. They have goalies that can get hot in the playoffs, that have playoff success. And they have a great head coach. There is nothing not to love about this team. They are a complete hockey team right now. The, the only thing They're that can raise some team. questions is the goaltending. Because sometimes it's just – Peter Razix, uh, he's either on or he's way off. That's the only thing. And I don't know who's getting the nod in net tonight because uh, it is a back-to-back because the game got pushed back to 11 a.m. yesterday because of the five-overtime game. Tuka Rask is the starter for the Bruins tonight. I know that. It's, it's just fun. It's as simple as that. It's a fun series, and it, both these teams are very dangerous. And whoever has to have the honor of playing them in the next round could be in for a very rude awakening. Good luck, right? Yeah. Last series um, I want to go into, uh, and, and you're going to love talking about this. What's wrong with the St. Louis Blues? St. Louis, to me, and I watched that entire game yesterday. Shocker. Same. Same. But didn't it look like that St. Louis just looked tired? Yeah, it looked kind of flat. Like, this is not the same team that we saw this time last year. They also were not getting the saves they needed out of Jordan Bennington. They didn't. No. And that, that could be quite possibly the difference of the team last year and the team this year is getting the saves. And, and they just didn't get it. Listen, the Stetcher goal, phenomenal. Troy Stetcher, I loved man. It. You loved it. Yep. Everybody the loved world it. world loved it. That shouldn't have even gone in. No, it shouldn't have. Bennington should have saved that. Bennington last year saves that. Yeah, and that could be the difference for Columbus. The, the fact that last year Bennington saves that. We need – well, not we. St. Louis needs those saves this year. Simple as that. Or else they will be upset in the first round by Vancouver. If they don't get the saves, Vancouver has the offensive firepower and the ability to shut down enough on defense to – beat St. Louis in this series. And if Jacob Markstrom's on in net for Vancouver, I don't see a way St. Louis can allow soft goals like they did and still come out on top in this series. The JT Miller thing yesterday was so funny. Yeah. That was wacky. Yeah. 
I was he's shocked in, because the, the game came on, and I didn't notice until like the second period he was actually playing. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the rumor is that he, they thought he might have gotten hurt during the pregame soccer. Which is kind do. of funny. Which, of course, right? That's going to happen. It's Canucks. It, it is. It really is. And then we're like, oh, he's playing. Oh, and then he scored. Yep. At the end of, the game. of course yep. he did. Okay. All right, last thing I want to talk about here today. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, experience a crushing blow in the qualifying round, losing to Columbus in, uh, in five games. And after a tremendous comeback in game four, season on the brink of being over, they storm back, score three goals in the last five minutes, send it to overtime, win in overtime. And then they come out and they lay an egg against Columbus in game five. Did, and, did uh, we expect them to do much, though, knowing the history of this team? No. I expected a little bit more. I'll be real. And then did you see Kyle Dubas at phase two of the, uh, of the draft lottery? He looked upset. He did not look happy. <laughs> he really did want to be there. No. Leafs almost won the draft lottery too. It bounced yeah, out. Yeah, bounced second. in, bounced around, bounced out. Rangers win, which is the most Maple Leafs thing on the face of the earth. Now you gotta imagine they make a move here for some defense in the off season. I don't know what. I I don't know who they could move. Out of that big four that they have, of Nylander, Marner, Tavares, and Matthews, I'd say only two are untouchable. And that is Matthews and Tavares. Okay, I got Matthews and Tavares. First of all, I think Tavares missing the wide open net during that game. Yeah, the post. You're not you're not being paid eleven mil to miss the post. Also, not a lot of teams who take on. I I do too. I also think Marner's the better player because he's younger too. Mitch Marner is only uh, 23 years old. You know, there's, there's a, lot, a lot more development that can still come from Mitch Marner, and he's very good. Out of the big four, who you train? John Tavares being 29, too. Out of the big four, the most likely one in my eyes to be traded is uh, Nylander. It is Nylander for me, too. Yeah. And I think I you think can the, get a damn good offer for Nylander, too. I think they'd like to hold on to, all, to, to the three. Um. And Nylander could be moved if they get a good enough defenseman back. But if the blockbuster comes where you're going to get a very, very good, good defenseman, like a all-star caliber, caliber defenseman for Mitch Marner, I think you have to pull the trigger because of the liability their defense is currently. You could make the case that the last, what, three times have been eliminated from the playoff series? It's because the defense hasn't been there? And sure, you go out and you get Jake Muzzin, but that, that can't fix the whole defense? I think the first time they lost against Boston was more because of the Codrick suspension. More yeah, than the that too. That too. Last year, defense collapsed. One yeah. million percent. This year, I'm not really going to say the defense collapsed, but... It wasn't great. It didn't look great on paper. Now, the defense is better. I will say that. It has gotten better. Slowly. Cody CC on the second pairing is not going to cut it. No. It's just not. not. Unless you 
try to sign a free agent and you try to trade Nylander for something else, maybe future draft capital. I don't know. Or you, you trade it for the draft capital to move for a defenseman. Yes. You know? Yeah. Ah. It's also tough. They don't have their first either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really needed that lottery win. Yeah. They get that lottery win. I think it's a definite. They trade Nylander at that point. Yeah. Oh, one, one million percent. Yeah. I still think you quite possibly be moved. Let's look at the Freddie Anderson situation. Cause some interesting news came out today that uh, Kyle Dubas could be okay with letting uh, Anderson go into the season and probably will be okay with going into the season as a UFA to be uh, no extension talk really with the goaltender. Should Toronto go after a goalie here? No. You want to stick with Freddie Anderson? Because Freddie Anderson played with, well in most of those games. So I would stick with Freddie Anderson. Well, first of all, you know, the, the goalie candidates that he talks about here are Markstrom, Hudobin, and Grice. From everything I've heard, Markstrom is staying in Vancouver. And Hudobin and Grice aren't going to cut it. I think you got a better chance starting Campbell. Especially in Toronto, they're yeah. not going to cut it. Yeah. So, yes, I would keep Frederick Anderson unless they're in the mix on Holpe, which I would not – I don't think they're going to be able to afford Brain Holpe. Exactly. And I don't think they'd be able to afford a Robin Leonard either. I don't think they will unless it's a short-term deal, unless it's a one-year deal like we saw the Blackhawks yeah. give one. I don't think Leonard's going to be looking for a one-year deal this time. I don't think so either. I think he wants stability. Yeah. He's played he's, – he's earned stability too with the way he's played. And besides those two, who's the next best goalie? Yeah, it's tough. I can't really find one. It, let's say Markstrom stays in Vancouver like everything's been reported. Is it Thomas Grice? It probably is Thomas Grice unless you figure out something with either the Rangers or the Penguins. Yeah, for Matt Murray or something. Or Georgiev. And then you got to look at Murray and Georgiev and say, is, are they a better option than Frederick Anderson? They're younger. That's all I can say. That's, all, that's the only argument for it is they're younger. And there's, for me, there's not enough sample size on Georgiev yet for yeah. me to say he's going to be a success outside of New York. And they want Murray, to win. I can kind of see it. They're in win-now mode. This is the worst case scenario for Kyle Dubas, and it's not even close. Because of the flat cap, too. Yep. Now, we talked about it a few weeks ago. What if they miss the playoffs next year? It's the end of Kyle Dubas. And- it, it, it's the end of Dubas, yeah. I don't think they miss the playoffs next year. I, I can't know. see it with that amount of talent. Right. right. I've been wrong before on this podcast. But looking at the other teams in the Atlantic, the only team I could see them giving a run for their money in the wild card is Florida or Montreal. I can't see Buffalo. I mm-hmm. can't see Detroit. Mm-hmm. Give it a couple years on Ottawa. Mm-hmm. There's too much talent there for yeah. them to miss. And I'll say this, uh, call, me, call me crazy, call me wild. I think Boston is more likely to miss next year than Toronto because Boston is getting up there in age. Yeah. 
and Toronto's young core is slowly beginning to hit their prime. And there's one year. We don't know what year it's going to be. They're just going to break out. Yeah. I think a first-round exit next year means the end of Dubas. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Looking back on it, when you see a player like out there like John Tavares and he wants to play for your team, you have to try something to get him, you know? But now – Seeing where that money could have possibly been used elsewhere, you maybe think it was the wrong decision. I think the Nylander contract and the holdout for that kind of contract yeah. was. I thought it was a little drama filled, but I do think looking back, they overpaid. I thought they overpaid at the time, too. Yeah. Not as much. Um, there's a story I want to bring up because Puck Report reported this a couple hours ago uh, about the Oilers. Andreas Athanasiu could be a cap casualty, according to Elliot Friedman, and the Oilers talked about swapping Tory Krug for Oscar Clefbaum before Ken Holland joined the team. Oh. You better be thanking your lord up above that you didn't pay much for Athanasiu at the deadline. Yeah. Athanasiu is going to have some very interested bidders come free agency. I'd and love to see him be a New Jersey Devil. Same. I, I, I saw that they're not even going to offer him a qualifying offer. That's uh, nuts. Yeah, that's nuts to me. Because it, you don't – that talent, it's, it's hard to find. And they have it in their system. And they have the control. And they're just not going to utilize it, which is insane to me. Why you keep wasting your time with a wild card like Jesse Pugliarvi, who they thought they were close to signing. What, right before everything ended? Or right before the bubble started? No, it was – no, they weren't – this was like October. He wasn't going to play there. I know, I know. But the, the, something came out recently that Pugli, that the Oilers believed they were close, even though Pujarvi didn't believe they were close. I was going to say, I don't think they were ever close. I think that was just a morale booster for the fans. Yeah. To come and say that. But why even give off the fact that you're wasting your time on that? Why not go after somebody who's there and wants to play there and you have control of in Anders Antanaseu? Antanaseu is a good forward for him. I'd even say he's probably in the top six, but from the moment he arrived in Edmonton, he was put on the third to fourth line yep. and stats dropped, and they did not give him an opportunity to succeed. He's a guy that's fitting very nicely. On a line, like a, a, if you want to split up McDavid and Dreisaitl, I get it. But onto the CU, you can sign to a spot like that and still produce for the team. Why are they getting rid of Athanasiu? I really don't think it's for cap. Do they believe they're in on, like, Taylor Hall or Mike I, Hoffman? I don't know. Because I really can't see Taylor Hall going back there. No, neither can I. Now, Hoffman, that's a different story. Hoffman, I think, in Edmonton would thrive. I think that would be an awesome fit. But you don't get rid of Athanasiu. No. It, it's just the questionable moves that we are, have become accustomed to with the Edmonton Oilers. And the Oilers blue line, they talk about the Tory Krug for Ken Holland. Um, Tory Krug for Ken Holland. Tory Krug for Oscar Clefbaum. That was being talked about. Is that making your team better? And if so, how much? 
I don't know. I, I just because to me, I think they're on equal playing ground. I like both these guys a lot. Krug to me just gets hurt hurt way too much. Yeah. But the Oilers' defense is literally Oscar Clefbaum, Darnell Nurse, and a young Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. That's all I see. I don't know, man. Because I think they need defensive help more than they need the, forward help. I'm yeah, shocked they need the, it this far. I'm really, I really am. They let a aging Chicago Blackhawks team have their way with them. Well, an aging Chicago Blackhawks core. The, the rest of the team is young without experience. But I'm talking about Taves. T- Jonathan Taves hadn't dominated anybody this year like he dominated the Edmonton Oilers in the qualifying round. Not going to lie, it kind of felt good to see Jonathan Taves go back to his former self. That kind of felt I haven't sad. seen that Jonathan Taves since like 2016. It, and it was it, fun. It was really fun to see. Thank God for the Oilers' defense. I'll just allowing that to happen. No answer. Because here's the thing with the Oilers' defense. Eight million combined going to Chris Russell and Adam Larson. That's mm. not great. That's not good at all. You can thank New Jersey for that second part of that. <laughs> I don't know. The, the Oilers have some problems, man. Some? They have many problems, I believe, outside of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You got to keep them happy. Oh, I wouldn't be happy playing right there, right now. Nope, neither would I. Because it seems like t- – take what you want with a situation like Toronto. You could tell Kyle Dubas and the Toronto players are fed up. They're upset with the way things have been going. Do you get that vibe out of the locker room from Edmonton? Not right now, I don't. Exactly. I'll say this, though. McDavid has said he wanted to be a leader. I think he stepped up in that role, and I think he's doing phenomenally yeah. in his role as a leader in the locker room. Same with Dreisaitl. But the problem is you've got to give them some sort of supporting cast. Yep. I mean, who's, who's and the granted, winner? they did make an effort. They did make an effort with somebody like Anta to see you. But if you have to rely on James Neal in a game like they did last series in the qualifying round, it's not going to cut it. Yeah, but then don't make an effort for Anthony to see you and then say, what? Yeah. Ten games later, oh, yeah, he's going to be gone. He's a cab casualty. Yeah, no, that shouldn't be happening. You can't do that. Mm-mm. And there's other players there. Like, I'd rather buy out Chris Russell. Yeah, it would make more sense to. That but you need defense so, so damn bad. How about – uh? There's so many teams in this league that need defense. How about that Lucic-Neal trade, huh? How good does that look now for Calgary? Milan Lucic is a point-of-game player. In, Milan Lucic is a point-of-game player in the playoffs. And Calgary's getting an extra crazy. third. Yeah. I can't wait to see what he does tonight against Dallas. Point streak, right? Yeah. You got to keep it going. Um, speaking, speaking of Dallas, though, I did want to mention Dan Hamuse uh, announced his retirement. They really? Yep. He announced it on SportsCenter or SportsNet. Good for him, man. That dude played 1,148 games, 356 uh, points, 684 penalty minutes, and combined he was a plus 72. Wow. Good numbers from Hamuse. He was a solid player. 
Yeah, really, really good. And it's not he's not one of those guys that's going to put points. He's not going to jump off the stat sheet every night. I'm looking at hockey reference right now. His career point total, his career high in points was 38 in 2006. But there's teams that need a stay-at-home defenseman mm-hmm. like Hamus. Yep. And he was a staple in Vancouver for years, staple in Nashville for years. Pretty good in Dallas, I thought. Great player. Yep. Now, not going to get the recognition he deserves. but Might not have been pretty, but he was a good player. All, all the best to Dan, Dan Hamuse in retirement here. Yeah, congrats he's a, to me. He's a great phenomenal player. Retire, um, phenomenal career and all the best to him. It's one of those guys you don't look – you don't miss him until he's gone. You don't – you know? Yeah. You don't realize how important he was to a team until he's not there anymore. And Nashville's losing a locker room leader. Yeah. Hamuse. All right, so that's going to wrap up this episode of Touch Icing. We'll be back again next Thursday uh, after a little more hockey. Uh, Eric, you said you had a trivia earlier in the week for me? Um, did I? I, I got to see if I got to see if I did. Oh. Got to think you, about it. Well, I, I think I should use this time while you find out to shamelessly plug my other stuff going on. Um, yeah, you should. Too Many Men Sports Podcast every Tuesday and Friday. I had a good episode last night We right after the uh, quintuple overtime game. We uh, dove in and talked about that a little bit. Um, new episodes every Tuesday and Friday, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, it is available. Uh, mock drafts coming. Uh, probably going to yeah. work on our mock drafts probably around September, I, I would imagine. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little yeah, bit I don't. We I need stuff to come a little more clear later in the first round of the draft to find out what we're going to do for a mock draft. Because right now the draft is scheduled for what, like October 9th? It's scheduled for October 9th and October 10th. Yeah. That's the current um, – The current dates for it. Current dates for the mock draft. I, I just said I had – I just texted you and said I had a good trivia question, and then I forgot what it was. <laughs> All right. We'll get to it next week. No big deal. So, hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next Thursday for another episode of Touch Icing.